Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, Chris, April, Dawson, thank you for leading us this morning in worship. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, really moving. Um, we sang a song in there, and, and we'll get back to it later. We won't, we won't, uh, you won't relent until you have it all, my heart, you know? And, uh, and that's what we're going to be struggling with today. We're going to be talking about some of those places in our heart that are hard to give up, that are hard to give to God. And, uh, and so, so we're going to get there. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us. If you're new here, we want to welcome you. Um, we are a brand new church startup here in the Tri-Cities. We are three months in, uh, and we are super excited for what 2016 has in store. Big things coming. As we get to launch our branches, those are our small groups. Um, uh, this month, we're doing four events just to kind of set some rhythms. Uh, Steve Riesenweber uh, has a group that's going to be uh, having an event here on the, on the 18th at 7 p.m. over at his house. We'll highlight it a little bit more next week, uh, but it's it's the Monday after next. Um, so we're working on getting branches up and running. We're really excited about that because when we started this journey, uh, we'd, we'd worked in churches, experienced church for a lot of our life, um, and, and much of our life experienced church as a one hour a week on Sunday morning sort of event. And, uh, and we felt like, hold on, there is such opportunity for depth and relationship uh, to live intentionally in our homes, in our workplaces, in our community. And we thought, man... This can be different. So, well, we have loved the last three months getting our Sunday morning launched. Uh, I just got to say our passion is for finding ways not to overburden us with more activities than we can fit in a week, but instead finding ways to, to gather strategically, to recycle our time in ways that allow us to live on mission together, that allow us to deepen in our relationship, that allows us to live life with unchurched people around us that desperately need the hope of Jesus. Um, and and so, so we're really excited about this phase to come. I hope you'll join us in that. Uh, thanks to everyone that came last Thursday night. We had some 40 people at our house for a meal together, and it was just awesome. So thanks for being there, and uh, feel free to invite people. In fact, this next Thursday is an uh, an invite-oriented event, game night. Uh, we'll have activities for the kids. We're over at the Yoder's house. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, um, so today uh, I want to talk about a challenging passage. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. And we've been tracking through Luke chapter 6, um, just exploring who is Jesus and what does it look like to follow him? What are his calls and his, his challenges for my life? And, and last week we talked about judging others. Jesus said in, in very practical terms, uh, you will be judged in the way you judge others. That is, if you are harsh and judgmental towards people in your life, you are going to experience people who are harsh and judgmental to you right? Uh, it's a reciprocal thing. Um, so, so last week we talked about that, and that's actually the passage that follows the one we're looking at today. But we switched the order um, because we're blessed to have Johnny here with us, who's going to speak to us in a few minutes. Today, Jesus is going to challenge us. I'm sure of that. Um, when's the first time in your life you experienced injustice? When's the first time that you experienced something, like we experience it on a regular basis, but do you remember the first time you were like, this just isn't right? I remember it in my life. I was in second grade, and um, I had a crush on a girl, um, and there was a, there was a class bully. And, uh, you know, there's, there's always a class bully at that age, and he was way bigger than everyone else, and poor kid, uh, you gotta love him, he was probably lashing out because he was hurt by what people were saying about him and stuff, you know? And so he was doing the same. He was treating people the way he had been treated, right? Um, but he, uh, he, that day, he was picking on the girl that I had a crush on. And, um, and he was, man, he was relentless. He was just rude, and he was calling her names, and made her cry, and even pushed her. And so as we walked out onto the uh, playground, I knew what needed to happen, 
right? I had to take care. Because this is what happens. When we experience injustice and wrong things in life, so often we take it on ourselves. I am going to correct this. I am going to fix it, right? And so we got out on the play, playground, and I, we, I mean, we weren't 10 yards from the door, and I pushed this guy as hard as I could. And, uh, and he grabbed me, and he pushed me to the ground, and, uh, and I, I'm, on my, I'm on my back, and he bent my legs over, and he sat on me until I cried, and a duty had to come pull him off of me. And not only am I humiliated and, and all this, and I did not stand, I, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't win the fight, I didn't defend the girl, right? You know, none of that happened. And, uh, but, but I, just, I just had this sense of this is not right. He is the one in the wrong. He should be upside down in the shape of a pretzel crying right now, but I'm the one upside down. And I, I just didn't like it, but I knew on that day I knew injustice, right? And I couldn't do anything about it. And, and that's really um, the way we live life, right? We see injustice around us all the time. And so often there is nothing we can do about it. Now, we can be advocates for um, peace. We can be advocates for better um, uh, conditions and opportunities for people in life. However, so often we can't fix injustice around us. So Jesus is going to speak to our attitude as we experience wrong things, especially wrong things directed at us specifically. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 is where we'll be today. Jesus says, but I tell you, uh, I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other to him also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And, and we say, but hold on, Jesus. You, you couldn't be serious. I, I mean, loving my enemies, if someone strikes me, just turn the other cheek and let them do it again, right? These, these are not the way we, ways we live life. We, we want justice in life. And Jesus speaks so contrary to this. He says, give to anyone who asks, and if someone steals from you, don't demand it back. Just let them have it. And it's like, it's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to live this way. I don't know how to, because that is so far from my nature, from I think our nature. We live in a nation in which we strive for justice, right? And democracy and what is right. And Jesus, Jesus says, no, just don't demand it back. Let them have it. You know, it's it's like he it's like he says, just put yourself in the position of the world's punching bag, and then you're a good follower of me. And and yet, I don't think that's what he's he's saying. But but that's what it feels like when we when you hear those words. He he talks about loving your enemies and loving enemies. Now now that's a fascinating idea for me. Uh, the English language is quite limiting. In this respect, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term linguistic relativity, but it's asking the question, to what extent does language define, dictate, or challenge our thought processes? Like um, nationalities with uh, different words for different concepts will actually think about Think, think about things differently. Like language has a cognitive effect on 
us as people. And, um, and so like a strong statement dealing with ling- linguistic relative, relativity would say um, language structure actually determines how we perceive the world. That would be the extreme. Some people would say that. Some people would soften it and they'd say no. But language structure does influence the way we perceive the world around us. One way or another, language is incredibly important as we try to put the wor- as we try to perceive the world and understand it and then articulate back what we're experiencing. Language affects us in that process. And, and so the term love here is a challenging one. In English, we have one, one word for love, right? And it can mean that passion and that fire that you feel for your spouse, right? Or you could say, I love ice cream. And, and those are very different things, right? I hope they are. If those don't seem like different things to you right now, uh, write that on your Connect card as a prayer request, and we'll get together and talk more about that, right? There's so many different aspects to love, and yet we have one word for it in English. And I think it limits our understanding of what love can be. And as we address this passage, and Jesus says, love your enemies, I think it demands that we understand love on a little bit deeper level and some of this, the distinctions that it involves. Um, love not only can be a feeling like ice cream or your relationship with your spouse, but love, as Jesus speaks of it, is a decision. It's an act of the will. I will love. I don't feel it. I feel anger towards enemies, but I choose this other aspect of love. And so in Greek, in which the New Testament is written in, and and, then this passage that we're reading was written in Greek, and it's translated into English for us. In Greek, they had four different words, four primary words for love. There's actually seven in Greek, but four primary words for love in Greek. So there's eros, which is the passionate romantic love. There's storge, which is the family or friendship. Uh, it's an accepting sort of love. It's the love that we have for our children, and it's accepting of flaws, and it's trusting, right? And, and then there's phileo, which is the platonic affection. No, no, no sexual, no physical, uh, but a, a deep desire for friendship with people. And then finally, there's agape. And agape is the unconditional, deliberate act of the will. It, it's that kind of love that you, you choose, and, and and it's unconditional in that I, I I dedicate this no matter how I feel. And as I, as we think about the way our nation often limits uh, or, or just English limits our understanding of of love, so often we we think of love and marriage and relationships and families uh, like you fall into love or you fall out of love and it's done. And agape never comes into the the conversation, right? Once I've fallen out of love, I don't love anymore because we don't think about or talk about the idea that love can be this unconditional, undying choice and act of the will. And so, so like us, who would often live life in this eros sort of love or the feelings that we get, Jesus challenges the, his first century audience, and, and then us today, he challenges us, consider Consider what it's like to live with this unrelenting, undying sort of love, this unconditional act of your will. He says in verse 31, and this was pivotal last week as we talked about judging others, do unto others as you would have them do to you. 
You know, as we experience frustrating situations in life, as we're hurt by people, as we see injustice, we want to lash out and we want to fix things. And, and to react and to, to these situations is probably a good thing. And yet Jesus says, this is how you are to react. Do to them what you'd have them do to you. He says, realize that though it's really easy to see injustice and wrongs in other people and to want to correct them, we probably ought to realize, this was last week as we looked at the the following passage, um, you probably ought to realize that in just as many cases, you are the one causing some injustice. You are the one hurting someone. So consider, were you in their shoes, how would you want to be treated? Well, it it would be with an unconditional kind of love. Right? It would be with a, with a posture in which we realize who we are, realize who God is, and then act out of that understanding. And so Jesus continues then in verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful." I love Jesus' logic and his challenge here as he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? What good is that? Even the sinners do that, which is kind of of an ironic ironic statement because we're all sinners and his audience were sinners. He says, so that's the easy part. You're already doing it, uh, right? You're already loving people that love you. But Jesus here is speaking about that unconditional, that agape love. And, And so to love someone that already loves me, well, that's a condition, right? I only love if they also love me. Jesus says, no, agape is different. It doesn't have to do with any conditions, including whether or not they love you, but instead, we give love. We are first in this relationship to give love and to give grace and to show mercy. And he pins it here in verse 36 to this. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. God has been merciful to us, and therefore we can be merciful. Because God has first loved us when we were undeserving, we can extend an unconditional love. I was talking with a friend who's back from college. He's a senior in in college right now, and I won't get into all the details, but when he left for college, his father was a pastor, and um, uh, he had grown up in a happy household, and things were good. Um, Now, four years later, he returns home. Uh, His father uh, no longer works at that church. Uh, It was a really ugly upheaval, Uh, just really crushed his family. Dad doesn't know what he's going to do next. And he came back to what used to be a place of security and safety and is so disillusioned by what has happened and so hurt by the people uh, in leadership that were so hurtful to his father and to his family. And I want to share with you what he said. He didn't know that last week we talked about judging others or this week we were talking about loving our enemies. But this is what a senior in college said to me this week. He incredibly hurt by it all. And he says, now here's the thing. I know they're going to be in heaven. Like I'm going to have to see these men in heaven because that's how God's grace works. He says, God has been that gracious to me, and I know he will be to them. And he says, that's hard, hard to think about. Um, but 
He says, more than angry at them, I feel sorry for them. Because I know that the way that they are judging and treating people is going to be reciprocated to them. Like, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to be at peace because of how they've treated other people. I was blown away. I mean, how old is this kid? 21, 22 years old. And, and just to have this clarity and wisdom and understanding that he is personally hurt. His family is personally hurt. And he says, but I know God's grace is big enough for them. And, and I'm sorry that, that they have to live life like that. I think that's pretty beautiful, and I think that's pretty powerful. You see, loving enemies, I mean, this hits home. Sometimes we want to think of enemies as this superhero, villain, sort of the the uh, enemy. But, I mean, so often we come into conflict with people and are hurt by people, and we can think on, of, of this on much smaller terms as we just realize the people that hurt us in life. And Jesus called that, that we learn to be loving. And, and compassionate, that we show agape, an unconditional love, even though you have hurt me. I care for you. I want to pray for you. I'm concerned for you. That is a challenging yet a beautiful thing. And as we consider this unconditional love, um, there always comes some point where we think, well, that's too far, right? We, we, we want to think, yeah, I could love in this situation, but this situation, I can't do it. They have gone too far, right? And so, so you ask this question, has, has anyone gone too far? Has it gone too far for the grace of God to cover? Has it gone too far that I no longer have to love? Well, Paul would say no. You've never gone too far. Paul is the author of most of the New Testament, most of the letters uh, Paul wrote. Uh, he was a missionary in the first century, did incredible things. Here's the fascinating thing. Paul would say no, no one has gone too far. But Saul... Saul would say, oh yeah, there's consequence when you go too far. And here's the thing. Saul and Paul are the same person. Before, before Saul came to know Jesus, his name was Saul. And his name changed when he came to know Jesus and, and pursued a whole new mission in life. And so Saul was actually persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. And in Acts chapter 7, read this later, we won't take time here. In Acts chapter 7, it tells a story of him executing, uh, a crowd is stoning a man named Stephen. And Stephen says, don't hold this sin against him. His prayer in, with his final breath of life is don't, he's praying for his enemies quite literally. He's praying for this man Saul, who soon is going to come to know Jesus and become the man named Paul who says, you can't go too far. No one is too far. Learn to love your enemies. You see, because prayer is a powerful tool we have at our disposal. Stephen sets that example, and Jesus challenges us. Rather than lashing out at injustice in life, let's learn to pray for our enemies. Let's learn to show a love that's unconditional. And I get it's not easy, so please don't, please don't think we're glossing over it, right? It is hard to learn to love our enemies. So our enemies can be the everyday situations, the people that hurt us in life. But I want to look at this a little bit more globally and, and in a larger perspective. Um, and so I, we're really blessed I'm not an expert on uh, what's happening in the Muslim world and uh, and our nation as it relates to it and ISIS and things like that. But but the fact is, ISIS has declared us their enemy, and um, and this is maybe tainting the way we understand so much 
um, about the Muslim world. My wife Sarah grew up on the mission field in the Muslim world. She's got some incredible stories to tell. Um, my friend Johnny here, come on up here, Johnny. Um, he is a, a missionary to Muslim peoples and works with Frontier. And um, I wanted him to come today, Johnny, both to give us some perspective. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Um, give us some perspective on uh, on the Muslim world and, and what's happening right now, and, and then maybe more specifically on ISIS and how this relates. Praying for for enemies um, and, uh, and and showing unconditional love in the world around us. Yeah. So. Um... Right. Thanks for having me, guys. This is a, a pleasure to come and talk to you a little bit. And uh, I'm definitely no expert on the Muslim world, but I do spend a lot of time thinking about what God is doing uh, among Muslim people all around the world because I'm right now currently in the position uh, of working for this mission agency called Frontiers. And so I'm a missions mobilizer for Frontiers, meaning I network with pastors and the churches around the Tri-Cities, basically telling people what God's doing uh, among Muslim peoples for Jesus and basically seeing who's, who is radical, who is crazy enough to love um, people that are in a very hard place and totally destitute without the hope of the gospel. So, um, and one direct application that I really wanted to try to bring to you guys today, because as Mike and I talked, uh, we knew you're going to be in Luke chapter 6 here and hearing the command, love your enemies. And so one thing Frontiers has done in the recent future is put together this resource called Pray for ISIS. And so it's a total direct hit on a way of application as, uh, as we move forward here. And so I wanted to share this resource with you. This is the front... Um, this will be the page that comes up when you go to the FrontiersUSA.org website, and there will be some, uh, some Frontiers cards on the way out you guys can grab here to just get a hold of that website. But you'll come up to this page, and then if you click blog up in the um, top right there, you'll come to the next page, and it'll look like this. Um, on this page, there's going to be a bunch of field stories. You see right below here, there's uh, what some of our teams are doing in reaching Muslims through social media, and there's a bunch of really cool field stories you can read. But this banner across the top is what I want to look at. And so if you click on that Learn More uh, button there, it'll actually take you to a separate resource, a separate website um, called Pray for ISIS. And um, what it is is a 30... 30-day prayer guide uh, walking you through some ways to pray for the leaders of this movement that has arisen. And so, like Micah was saying, uh, where in some ways we feel like, wait a minute, God's grace for them, that's not going to happen. But what we need to be praying really is there are Saul's in the ranks of ISIS. And Saul became Paul and started advocating for the church and preaching the gospel, and he became one of the greatest missionaries and forces of the gospel in all of history. So there's a lot of hope that we have. Um, and so what this does is it kind of walks through some ways to pray for um, ISIS. I don't know what's next here. Let's see what we got. Um, yeah, so 
so, couple of the thoughts that Micah shared a little bit already, that um, Paul would say, no, the grace of God is not um, beyond some of these people. It's actually the people that it's for. So what this guide does is kind of leads you through. There's some media, there's some images. Um, go on to the next one here. Um, there's some videos embedded in the page as you scroll down. Keep going. And uh, there's bold requests. So uh, as you walk through this resource, this is just day one of the prayer guide, but there will be um, sections in bold that you can use for prayer. So the way you would use this is get together with a small group or with your family, pull it up, start reading through it, and as you get to a point that's calling you to some action like prayer, you know, pray that the church wouldn't just sit back and take uh watch physical war take place, but that they would fight with the most powerful weapons, prayer, fasting, and love. And so that's, um, that's what the goal of this is. It also weaves together uh, kind of a worship experience. So there's some worship videos that are applicable. They're embedded to the site, and you can scroll through. Come on to the next one there. Um, and at the bottom, you'll see you can just next story, and it'll go to day two. So it's a really cool resource that um, I want to share it with you guys. And uh, one thing that we don't want to do right now is we're thinking, okay, we went from um, hearing the command to love our enemies to thinking about this, this ISIS group, and they're our enemies because they overtly proclaim that they want to kill Christians. Um, and what needs to not happen right now is generalizations and stereotypes. Um, so this is so uh, easy to do, to generalize and to stereotype a large group of people based on a lot of input that you're receiving. And the input that you're receiving is the flood of images and messages that are coming from the media. And what's going to happen, unwittingly, you're going to blanket Muslim peoples, people who look Muslim, people who act Muslim, people who have a head covering on, Instead of moving towards them in love, by default, what will usually happen is there will be some seed of fear in your heart that won't cause you to go towards that person and seek to love them as your neighbor. Now that they're living among us, okay, we have this incredible gospel opportunity where places and nations that we couldn't even get to with Christian workers, now these nations and peoples are coming to live next to us as our neighbors. So we have uh, Somalians here. There's hardly any Christian workers in Somalia because it's simply too volatile to get there right now. But now, Somali people are coming to live in our neighborhoods. And so um, what I really want to encourage us to do is meet real people. So you could be affected by all the un, you know, the media messaging that comes to us and they're not reporting on the whole spectrum of who Muslims are. They're reporting on the crisis, the only bad news, uh, because that's all the media usually reports on is bad news. But what we need to do is meet real people. And so let me tell you a quick story. Um, so I think it was over the summer that we visited uh, during the time of Ramadan. Is it, It's the Muslim time of the year when they fast and they pray, and there's a lot of devotion to God. And so they have big feasts over at the mosque here in West Richland. And so I took a group of friends over there. We went over there, and, and during that time I was thinking, wow, I really, um, 
one of my cars was broke down, so I, was, I need to get someone to work on this car. I tried to do a lot of work on my own car, but I couldn't figure this out, and I'm kind of leery of taking it places. You know, these places like to rip you off sometimes. So I thought, man, I need to find a good mechanic. I was thinking of asking some, you know, my friends in my church. So I went to this um, this uh, feast that they were having, and it was a great time. We hung out with a bunch of Muslim men and a bunch of women and wives, you know, from some families came along, and um, it was a really good time. Well, one of the guys I met there was he was talking to me, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm a mechanic." Um, and I said, oh, well, I've been looking for a mechanic. And he said, oh, well, I'll come to your house. I can, I just, I come to people's houses, like, on the, on the side a little bit, you know. And so uh, I made this connection with him. He came over and worked on my car, but it was a great answer to prayer. But then I realized, you know, talking to this guy and come to learn that he has, he has fought. He was in Kurdistan, and he fought alongside the, he fought alongside the U.S. military against ISIS. So, Busting all kinds of stereotypes, you know, mm. by meeting real people who actually have real lives and not just listening to all the media messaging that comes to us, you know, without stop. So I would encourage you guys to, to move towards people that are real people. They're just people. They're trying to get along. They've been through horrific kind of experiences. And who has asked them? Who has said to them, hey, you know, met them with a smile and move toward them and say, hey, how's it going? Um, how long have you been here? If they've been here less than five years or whatever, welcome. Welcome to the States. We hope that you can find some kind of life that's more stable or what's your experience, you know. And these kind of things, this will build bridges like you will not imagine. And um, so I really want to encourage you guys to, instead of obeying the seeds of fear that are sown in all of our hearts unwittingly by messages from media to listen to Jesus and realize that he is worth it, whatever the cost. Say the the very slight hypothetical situation that your life would be in any more danger because of you moving towards a person that looks dangerous. Okay, it doesn't matter. Jesus calls us to love people and... Furthermore, that stereotype that you have is almost surely not even true of that individual person. So we got to move out, think, okay, Jesus, he met me in my need. He reached out towards me. He poured his grace on me. Who am I to withhold love? Because you don't know if that person is going to be the next Saul turned Paul or just the next normal person that receives Jesus' love and is transformed by it, and has an influence for his kingdom. So, that's basically it. Um, Frontiers, you know, as an agency, uh, we focus on getting long-term workers to go out into the Muslim world. And so I'd love to talk to any of you who have Muslim friends, who have thought about missions, long-term work in general. So don't leave without talking to me um, if you have any questions. And it's about about it. Hey, Johnny, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I hope you were challenged by that, uh, like like I was. I mean, those are challenging words. We are products of the culture and society and things that we experience and know. And so, Johnny, thank you for challenging us in that way. That is one very practical way that we can consider living out what Jesus taught us today. See, this is a risk we run with the uh, one hour a week gathering. Step here, man. We're going to pray together in just a minute. Um, 
so that's 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 a challenge we face. We hear God's word, we like it, we nod our head, and then we go without anything practical to engage. And so I don't know what your practical is this week. If it's someone in your life that that has hurt you, if it's a, a situation, uh, someone at work or a family member or something that that Jesus is saying it's time to show unconditional love in this situation it's try to time to start praying for this person and maybe maybe what what Johnny has said to you maybe maybe this is what really challenged you the, this week and, and we need to take with us i'm going to i'm going to spend the next 30 days on that if you'd like to to walk with me and some others um, in that process uh, let's spend the next 30 days praying for isis and and having that as a devotional time with our families this week i think that would be an excellent application of Jesus' challenge that we begin to show unconditional love, that, that we learn to pray for people that have hurt us. So Johnny, let's, uh, let's pray together as we close out. I'm going to let you start. Will you do the pray for ISIS part, and, uh, and then uh, I'll close this out. All right, yeah. Let's join together, join our hearts in prayer. Father, we want to pause right now and reflect and remember the grace that has met us in Jesus. We were not deserving to receive your mercy. So we pray that you would overwhelm us with your love. Show us how radically undeserving we were and still are in many ways and how you continually flood us with your mercy. And we pray that you would move us out in love towards Muslim people, towards people that we have stereotyped and profiled. We ask for your love to be powerfully transforming our minds and our wills and our emotions so that we would move towards people that we formerly had thought might be dangerous. We pray earnestly, God. We call out to you and ask that you would send workers, Lord, even into the most dangerous parts of the Muslim world where there is the most upheaval, And we ask, Lord, even among the ranks, some of the leaders of ISIS, that you would transform them from Saul-like people into Paul-like people who are knocked off their horses as they are on their way to execute believers. We call out to you because we know no one is beyond the reach of your grace, and we want to see these things. Lord, we even look right now by faith to you for the answers of these prayers that we will see throughout all eternity the way you have transformed even the most evil of people by your powerful grace. Thank you. Father, uh, we just pray that as a church, as, as your people, uh, that we would not sit back and, uh, and watch physical war unfold, but instead, Father, um, that we would engage uh, with prayer, with fasting, and in love. Uh, Father, for so many other situations in our life where we have been hurt or wronged or experienced injustice, Father, I pray that you will help us um, to know your grace to the extent that we can show grace. Father, teach us what unconditional love looks like. Father, teach us um, uh, how to care for and pray for even those who hurt us. Father, we thank you for the hope that we found in Jesus and pray that we can live because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us here uh, here today. Johnny, thank you again. Uh, love it, man. Um, thanks so much for being here. Got uh, great things to come on Game Night Thursday. Hope you can join us. Um, we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, invite someone uh, for either or any of those events. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Thank you.